Yo, before we get into this podcast, I want to ask for a huge favor from you. And that is if you have or you are getting value from this podcast, if you were to leave us a review or subscribe, it would mean the world. And quite frankly, selfishly, it's because I want to, we want to continue sharing these conversations, this medicine with the world. And when you leave a review, when you subscribe, it's a vote. And we would love to have your vote. Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy. I am super pumped to share this with you. For the past four plus years or so, I have been doing daily journals. So 365 days of journals that at the end of each year, I do a big review. I review all the journals and I distill it into my biggest lessons, my biggest reflections, the things that most serve me on my journey. And that's what this podcast is all about. In this podcast, you will learn one, my top 23 biggest takeaways from 2022 Two, how to avoid creating goals and tensions in a way that induce or create more anxiety. And three, my biggest intention for 2023. This is by far the most involved piece of work that I do all year, going through each and every journal, distilling each day into a week, into a month, into a quarterly, into a yearly journal where I'm going through. I literally went through 40 plus pages of Google Docs. It was pretty absurd. It, it took a while. And it has become one of the most healing and revealing journeys or aspects of my journey. And my hope and my intention is that there's at least one lesson and it's for you that improves the quality of your life. I love you. I hope you enjoy. Twenty-three lessons for twenty twenty-three. Let's start this beautiful deep dive conversation by proposing two questions. Something to sit with and think about as we're moving through this process. One, what are your biggest lessons and reflections from twenty twenty-two? And from those reflections, what are your biggest new commitments, new actions that you are taking with you into twenty twenty-three? A little over four years ago, I started a very in-depth journaling process, which I'll detail here in a little bit. And I would say that it is one of the most profoundly impactful practices that I've ever developed. And I would attribute it to a number of personally incredible results for me in my life, including one, doubling my business income, two, Moving from being in a chronic state of knee pain, like a seven or eight on some days, just walking around to zero, three, improving my mental and emotional health when I was struggling on a pretty regular basis with depression, anxiety, more consistently feeling at home in my mind, in my body, and having that felt experience of I'm okay. Everything's okay and I'm going to be okay. And it continues to grow and build. I find more joy. I find more presence. I find more peace each and every day. So in addition to the mental, emotional, physical, I was also able to move myself out of debt. I paid off several thousand dollars in debt and also put several thousand dollars into a savings account, which for me, somebody who had real big issues with money mindset and believing 
that I had to struggle and I was always going to be struggling, eradicated that and now actually see a future laying out where I can be financially free and was able to produce six plus events with over a few hundred people inside of them creating transformation and healing for everyone who's in the space. And I say none of this at all to toot my own horn because quite frankly, it really just doesn't fucking matter. But really to share in reflection for myself that while wow, like there was a point in my life where I just felt very much helpless to creating changes in certain areas of my life and my mental health and my finances, et cetera. And through reflection, through going and doing shit and then thinking about the results that those things produce, the results from making a better financial decision or a diet decision, et cetera, I'm now seeing how I can truly be cause, be at cause versus being at the effect of my life. And I attribute it heavily to this practice and is actually what the intention of this conversation is, is to share with you through my reflection of 2022, the 23 biggest lessons that I took from that year into this year. And my hope, my deepest hope is that it will, you'll find at least one that is going to serve you in the next level of your growth, your healing and your transformation. So we're definitely going to enjoy that. And also make sure you stick around to the end because I'm going to share my personal biggest lesson and intention heading into this year. Now, before we get into all of that, as always, I like to say this quote into redundancy because I think it's so important. It comes from Bruce Lee. And it says, absorb what is useful, discard what is not, and add what is uniquely your own. For everything that I'm going to share and everything I'm going to say, these are my lessons, these are my reflections, and none of these are meant to be your truth. Your deepest resonant vibrational, like, yes, this is a fuck yes for me. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is these are the fuck yeses for me. And if the, if the shoe fits, put it on. And if it don't, toss that bitch. Or if it kind of does, but with like a little bit of tinkering, then tinker it and make it work for you. Without further ado, let us jump all the way in. So I started mentioning that I have a journaling process and my journaling journey started it started kind of roughly back in 2018. I have a mentor. Actually, it probably started longer before that, but I have a mentor. His name is Dr. Sean Jennings. He's a clinical psychologist, a genius of a human being. He has been one of the most influential people in my life in empowering me to become the best version of myself, very simply. And for a long time, he kept saying, when I talked to him, we'd reflect like, hey, I'd love to get some of your advice on you know how to improve different aspects of my life. And he offhandedly said, you should consider picking up a daily, daily journaling practice. And at the time, I was not in the space to receive that. I tried doing it for a couple of days, but then like sticking with it. And like some, some days I was tired because I had work or I had just a lot of things that were stressful. So for the, I was very stressed and thusly making time to go and do that practice just seemed like out of my way. Over time, I realized that I was making a lot of the same mistakes that if I had slowed down, if I had slowed my roll a little bit, then I would have found that this journaling practice would be really powerful. And it was. When I actually truly took it on, I went all in. I asked him you know, how to best start. And I started off doing written journals. And then that, met up, that morphed into spoken journals where I did audio voice recordings. And I would turn that into a transcript and put that into a spreadsheet. And I basically started doing daily journals. And it became a part of my 
day because what I would do is I would have my day, I finish work, and then I just go for a walk or I go for a drive. And I would just turn on this audio recording and just talk about my day, like what came up, what things were frustrating, what pissed me off, what were the things that were exciting, just the general what happened during the day. Sometimes I was talking about just shit I was moving through, like, oh, today I was like you know, moving through some weird depression and, and wasn't really knowing the source of it or reflecting on an exchange that I had with a friend of mine that I wish had gone a different way. Like whatever it was that was on my mind, I would talk about my day, what I was moving through, or just the things I was really excited about and giving gratitude. I put it all into a space where I could just reflect, externally express, whether it was written, whether it was an audio note, or whether it was a video. Over time, I found that video or uh, audio was the best for me. It was the easiest to keep consistent with. That turned into a daily practice. And then I started taking not only that journal, but also a series of questions. There's probably like, there was some point like 10 to 15, and now it's kind of whittled down to like 10-ish questions that I would ask myself each and every day from what are my biggest goals? Did I do that or did I not? What do I want to start doing or improve, stop doing or remove or let go of? What do I want to change or improve? What are my biggest lessons? What were, what was something that really pissed me off? What do I want to create? Like I just started asking myself a lot of her questions to reflect to get more clear about what it was that I wanted out of my life. That spreadsheet turned into what has now been a four plus year process where I do daily journals. Now, I don't always like get them exactly done in the day, but I always go back and redo the journals that were missed. And thusly, I have four plus years of spreadsheets and just literally just shit tons of data you can imagine. But this most recent year, after doing my journal, I was left with 40 plus pages of, of Google Doc information. And after I sifted through 40 plus pages of that information, I was left with what we're going to be talking about in this conversation today, which might sound a little asinine and a little bit it is, and it took a whole bunch of fucking time. And despite the amount of time that it took me, and some people question like, dude, you feel like you're going a little overboard? Yeah, maybe. But for me, I truly do believe that when I reflect on my life, in other words, reflect on my past, my present version of myself learns from my past and allows me to create into the future now version of myself in a way that empowers, excites, and enlivens me. Because there was a time where I didn't. And I kept making the same mistakes. And as the saying goes, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. So in the name of reflecting and pulling that information, this is an entire year's worth of my reflections, an hour's worth of distilling. You think like coffee, like the beans, and it turns into like, what do people drink? Espresso. I don't really drink coffee all that much, but like, it's like these little droplets of espresso. This is the espresso of 365 days of journaling. And that is what we're going to be talking about here in these next 23 lessons. Hopefully that backstory was additive and you kind of understand that, you know, I really put a lot of love into all the podcasts that we do, but this conversation is probably the most involved that I will do all year long. And it's simply because it has been such a potent and powerful teacher for me. And my hope is that it inspires something for you that just brings you closer to home into your divine remembrance of who you are, who you came to be, and all of the other beautiful language. Now, without further ado, all this talking about it, let's 
actually get into it. So 23 lessons. Lesson number one is show the fuck up with intention. And that little piece with intention is actually really important. I'm going to get into why that is at the end of the podcast. My biggest intention for 2022 was to show the fuck up. And by the end of 2022, I had produced all these results. I had grown business, improved a number of elements of my mental and emotional health. I started making improvements in my diet. I was reducing pain in my body. I was having better, more connected relationships with my friends and family, dealing with the shit that was keeping me from being at peace. Just all areas of my life improved. It was the first year I could actually confidently say that all areas of my life were improved. And that was because I showed the fuck up. That was my intention. And admittedly, at the end of the year, I found that I was very stressed, very overwhelmed for, by a number of things, but particularly because I had too much on my plate. I had spread myself too thin. If you think of like a plate of food, I had like a whole bunch of chicken wings. I had a big old fat stack of macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, asparagus, I had a bowl of cereals, all these things that just don't make sense. But just imagine like a heaping, whatever plate you think you had for Thanksgiving that was big. Now imagine eating every single person's plate in the room. That's what it felt like in my brain and in my body. So although I was creating results, I was also feeling super spread thin, super anxious, and it felt like I could never slow down. So showing the fuck up, meaning being present, going all out, and doing it with intention meant I'm going to be more intentional about what I say yes to, about what I'm committing my time and energy to, because when I do have fewer things as opposed to having 10 things that I'm showing up for to the best of my ability, but also being very spread thin, it's like 10% here, 10% here, or however you allocate the percentages. Instead of having a bunch of things that I'm feeling spread thin on, what if I just had one, two, or three? And what if I did those so fucking good that they flourish, and then I can allocate that energy into maybe the other things that I wanted to do? So, for example, doing a podcast, having two businesses, being in a relationship, wanting to spend time with friends and family, wanting to spend time with myself, wanting to improve the podcast, wanting – like there was just so many things that were pulling and vying for my attention. Me saying I'm going to show the fuck up with intention meant I'm going to be better about honoring my bandwidth and moving from that space. Because when I do, when we do show up with more intention, we know why we're there. We have clear reasons because we want – to have reasons, or rather, our reasons for showing up are just as important as showing up. In fact, potentially more important. Because sometimes by honoring our sacred no, we make more space for our fuck yes than our sacred yes. And everything shouldn't just be a yes because of obligation or what we worry about other people are going to think about us if we do or don't show up to that party that we were invited to. Sometimes it's okay to just say, I ain't got fucking space for it. And that is okay. Lesson number one. Lesson number two. The pain of loving fully and having one's heart broken will never trump the pain of never having fully loved at all. <sighs> this one's going to be a toughie. This one for me particularly came forward in the context of my intimate relationship with my partner. And, and I'd say he's easily spreadable or passable or whatever the word is to friends, to family, to our fur babies, whatever it is, anywhere where we have a, a relationship. If when I 
So I, I'm somebody who's experienced heartbreak. I've been cheated on a handful of times, literally almost a handful of times. I think it's been like four. I've been cheated on. I have also cheated on someone back when, and you know what? That was for me to own. That was for me to go and do the work on. And also, I've also been the experiencer of it. So I both know what it's like to have delivered that pain. I also know what it's like to receive that pain. Hell, you might even say the one time that I did it is the reason why I experienced all those other times. But that aside, point is that I know what that felt experience is like. And I know that that felt experience creates a flinching. Because if you get cheated on by someone, then when you move to your next relationship, subconsciously what's going on behind you, so our subconscious mind being our body, as Dr. Joe Dispenza says, and 95% of all behavior is subconscious. If I subconsciously fear having my heart broken or being cheated on again, then I might be more nervous to let myself express that love fully again. In fact, I might do what I said in that moment, like a lot of other people have said, I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to let myself. It's like when you get drunk, you get super trashed, which I don't really do that all too much, but I have. And you have the whole like, oh, I'm never going to get drunk like that again. Or, you know, insert whatever thing you do. It's that shit. And then you end up going to do it the next day. Point is, is that when I allowed myself to let that narrative be the truth, meaning I am so afraid of having my heart broken that I'm going to kind of like put my armor up and flinch, etc. Although it's a defense mechanism designed to help us feel safe, it's also hindering us from experiencing the depth of love with a person in front of us who is not that person from our past. And if we've done our work and we've cleaned out the attachments from our past, this person in front of us is a completely different person. It's not to say that we don't honor that flinching when it comes up, but rather we don't choose that consistently over choosing to fully love and be with that person in front of us. Because I am someone, as I'm sure I'm not alone in this, who has flinched because of the fear of being hurt and the, the, the pain of never allowing ourselves to love again is like dying a moment to moment death versus just being all the way in, fully committing to the person in front of us, friends, family, lover, etc. Is it scary? Fuck yeah. Is it worth it? It's not me for me. It's not for me to decide for you. But I'm noticed pretty consistently that when fear is in the driver's seat of my life and the reasoning behind that fear is because I've been hurt in the past, typically that's trauma, pain, et cetera, that I need to go and kind of dig out, acknowledge, do the healing work and release so I can make space for the infinite potential of love to flow in through me towards someone else because that experience is far more lively than the one stricken with what if it happens again the thing that i'm realizing is it could happen again and when i accept that truth i make space for and it could also not and i'm going to invest more in that if it's like a portfolio, I'm going to invest in, in all in full fucking love. Because if I die, if I were to like, you know, die a week from now, I'm not going to regret having love fully. I am going to regret 
not having love fully because of fear. And that's these days how I've been thinking about it. Am I going to regret this? Think if you're in a deathbed. All right. Answer is yes. Okay. Need to figure this out. Lesson number three, don't be cheap. Investing now leads to peace of mind later. First of all, this is not a blanketed everything in life. Sometimes it makes sense to, you know, pay for the cheap things. You just kind of need something to get by. But when it comes to something that matters, pay the premium, pay the extra money up front, allow yourself to invest because you, me, we are worth fucking investing in because I know for a fact, if you are a human being, you've done that thing where you're like, oh, let me save a couple of bucks. And then like a day, a week, a few months or a year later, like, fuck, I wish that I had paid a little more bucks and gotten like the next tier, but I was being a little cheap. And if you don't have the money in that moment, then save the fucking money and get the better thing. Because if it's something that matters to you enough to invest your money into it, unless we're just kind of going down like a consumeristic shopping binge, we are worth paying the extra money for. And this is something that I started realizing with a number of little things in my life from paying a little bit more for the food that I really wanted or paying a little bit more for, I'm trying to think of like a really good example. And right now my brain is totally like not giving me anything, but you know what I mean? When you have like that thing where it's like, I could pay a little bit more and actually get something that would feel like a fuck yes. And I often come back to that. Can I pay a little bit more and have this be a fuck yes? As opposed to being like, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm going to pay a little bit more and get a fuck yes, because I don't want to live with that regret of not having allowed myself to just fucking go there. And a lot of times the reason why is, you know, there's one side, the logistics of like, do I actually have the money available in my account? Is this a smart money decision? If I don't, I can actually go and do something about that. But sometimes we do have the money and then we convince ourselves still to not invest that money. That's where we actually want to reflect a little bit on why we're not allowing ourselves to invest more, because that can be a thing of, am I worthy of this? And actually going and doing that work around worthiness allows us to then fully receive from ourselves because likely one direction or the other, we might be struggling to receive, whether it's someone wanting to gift us with something or us wanting to gift somebody else with something um, or, or rather us gifting ourselves, someone gifting us or us gifting ourselves. We either struggle with one or both. And it's when we allow both to occur, when we step more towards our fuck yes. So don't be cheap. Invest in you, boo-boo. But also, you know, be mindful. Don't be all like binging and stuff like, oh, Wolf said, don't get what the fuck I want. Like, you know, be mindful. Be a little bit intentional. You know? But also do you. <laughs> Which brings me to a perfect number four. If it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. And again, before we get into this, I want to start by saying this is not a blanket statement on everything in life. However, when it comes to things that are important to us, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. One reason why I've been applying this more to my life recently is because I was, I was making a lot of space for like, yeah, like this is good or this is okay. Whether it was someone I was dating or the food that I was wanting to eat or wanting to spend a little bit more on a product like, Oh, like, well, I spend the extra dollars to like have my, oh, this was one thing, investing to get my AC fixed in my car, which I'd spent three plus summers without and just sweating, I almost said the B word, but just sweating junk, just sweating everything, just like everything was sweating. I would get out of the car sometimes after a short little drive, my entire body was sweating, sweating balls. That's what I was going to say. Okay, I said it. Ugh. So <laughs> 
I would get really hot because I just wasn't willing to invest that money because it's like, oh, just so many reasons. I don't got the money. It's like, well, I did have the money and I should have just allowed myself, which goes back to lesson number three, like don't be cheap. But it was like, I was just making space for like, okay. It's like, okay. Versus when I said, I'm no longer okay with this. I'm gonna stand for a fuck yes. I went and dealt with that shit. I didn't end up, you know, fixing the AC. I ended up just saying, fuck this, fuck this car. So I didn't really want this car. I ended up going and manifesting a brand newish fucking car. And it didn't have AC. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to fucking pay for it. Oh, also, it's making a weird rattling noise while I'm driving. Mm, I don't I don't like that. I don't want to drive everywhere in my fuck yes. If I'm like literally driving into my fuck yes future, then I'm going to invest the extra dollars now to be happy to be a fuck yes. And you'll notice that there are instances and times where it makes sense to, and this takes discernment to know when to invest and you know spend a little bit more to get a fuck yes and when to say, you know what, eh, like I don't really need to do that. But the important thing here is to allow us to honor our sacred no and to allow us to honor our sacred yes or our fuck yes. And the more that we allow ourselves to say no to things that are okay or good or even like great, by eliminating those from our space, because our space can only hold so much, we make space for a fuck yes. Let's stop tolerating, I use that word very intentionally, tolerating bullshit that frustrates us and, and deteriorates or diminishes our quality of life and put you into it that alivens us. I recently invested some money in redoing my bathroom. I've just kind of been one of those people like thanks for it's like, yeah, you know, it's not really a big deal. I'm more of like a functional, optimal person. I like to keep my spaces really organized and everything. Like that's my thing, right? Didn't really matter to me. Not true. I recently invested, I don't know, it's probably like a couple hundred dollars in redoing my bathroom and little curtain and soap stuff, getting like soaps that I enjoyed and just did it up. Just made it all feng shui or whatever the saying is. Shout out Jolie. Thanks, boo. Help me out. I go in my bathroom now and I'm fucking pumped. I'm like, fuck yeah. I enjoy this space. I am now excited to enter this space. And now anytime I enter, even now, weeks later, I'm excited about it. It fills me up. It pours into me. So that investment that I made that might seem trivial was a fuck yes for me. Now I just notice it everywhere. I'm a fuck yes in my car. I'm a fuck yes here. Like it feels good. But also it's okay for things to be a fuck no. Hey bro, you want to go out to the movie? Thinks about it. I got a lot on my plate. I'm a little, you know, just behind on things. But I also want to take some time for myself. Honestly, you don't say this to the person. It's like, eh, fuck no this time. You know, like I'm honoring my fuck no. You don't got to say it to them like that. But it's allowing ourselves to be our full fuck yes or be our full fuck no. People, places, or things. It's okay to choose the things that light us up and to say no to the things that don't or at least don't in this moment. Number five, truth withheld is poison and truth, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. truth withheld is poison <laughs> and truth expressed is medicine. <sighs> this one might've actually been on my 22 lessons for 2022 last year. And it's been so important and potent that I continue to bring it back around because it continues to ring true. Meaning when I am honest with myself and with the people around me, it becomes healing. It becomes, it clears, once again, it clears the space for honesty, intimacy, connection, and everything else to come forward. But when I withhold truth, whether it's like, oh, like it made me really uncomfortable when I was telling you about my day and you cut me off and started talking about 
your day. Sometimes I just want to play like, oh, okay, just kind of lean back, not say anything, like kind of keep it to myself or whatever it is. My truth is like that really upset me, but I hold it back. So it becomes poison. It becomes two-way poison. And this is the real problem. It becomes poison to us because now we're not present. We're in our thoughts. We're all up in ourselves. Now it's poisoning us. It's poisoning our experience with ourselves. And also we're not honoring our boundaries. So it's really a break in trust with ourselves. And thusly, it is also often being poisoned towards the other person in this relationship or in this com in this conversation because now it's filtering our experience of that person. Maybe we're starting to believe or think that they don't value our words, especially if they do it consistently. So then in us holding our truth, we become poisoning ourselves in the relationship versus if we dealt with the uncomfortable thing in the moment and said, hey, just, just wanted to express that when when I was sharing about my day and you started sharing about yours, that it had me feel not heard and not really like cared for in what I was expressing and how they respond is completely on them. That's like a whole other conversation. But the point is in us taking ownership of our experience and allowing ourselves to be in truth, to be in honesty, allows us to stay in integrity with ourselves and with the people in our space. And oftentimes the unwillingness to communicate the uncomfortable things now is what perpetuates, continues pain and discomfort in the future. The important thing here is to recognize that we want to communicate even when, and especially when it's, it's uncomfortable and inconvenient. Because when we commit to using truth as medicine, using our word as medicine, we create relationships with ourselves and with the people that we love and care about in a way where we say, you know what? Sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not always going to be fucking sunshines and rainbows. Fuck all the spiritual bypass and think everything's supposed to be all great. Sunshines and rainbows. It's all light. Fuck that. It's not true. No thing in reality in nature has ever yielded that. Why would we say that or think that that's true? Reality is that shit's uncomfortable sometimes. And for those of us who lean towards being people pleasers, this is going to be challenging because people are just like, I don't give a fuck what you think. They're just going to do their fucking truth. They don't care. But for those of us like myself who lean towards people pleasing, we withhold and it becomes poison. So we want to learn how to express, but express with intention, express with compassion, express with ownership, right? There's also the rules to this game as well. But when we more consistently do that, again, we create more peace within ourselves and with our relationships with other people as well. Lesson number six, stop bouncing from one high to the next. If you know anything about the Enneagram, you don't need to know anything about Enneagram, but essentially the Enneagram is like a personality test. And it says like, you're, you know, like there's nine different personality tests and there's all these like different things that pour into it. One of my numbers is number seven on the Enneagram. And one of the, so the seven is the enthusiast. And one of the shadows, if you will, of the enthusiast is gluttony. Which the first time I read that and it was like, your, your deadly sin is gluttony. I was like, no, -uh. and I was like, wait, what does gluttony mean? <laughs> I had to look it up and realize that gluttony meant overindulgent and positive experiences, especially when seeking to avoid something. And over time, I recognized that that was actually fucking true, that I would often go to another music festival, go to another concert, buy another book buy something, go have some experience. Almost always went to buying something, go in and hang out with friends, like literally anything to avoid the fact that I was like struggling with my mental health or not taking care of my money or my finances. I would just go from one thing to the next. But one thing that I can most easily point a finger at 
was with, say, a, a music and art festival. Music and art festivals has always been very healing for me. It's a very powerful and potent experience. You know, multiple days, you're in the woods, hanging out, people being weird, dancing, whatever. Well, it's not uncommon, whether it's at a music festival or sitting in ceremony with medicine, like combo, ayahuasca, or whatever you know people are doing these days, or even going camping with some friends or whatever it is, to just have the experience and then go right back into life and never stop and slow down to reflect, to integrate the experience. So we never truly, if you think about like food, we never digest. We just chew, 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 chew. And we never actually digest it. We just keep chewing, chewing, chewing. New experience, new concert, new drug, new book, new. And I am absolutely, uh, what's the word? I fall, I fall uh, like guilty of this if I'm not being mindful. And what I'm finding is that in a culture where we are encouraged and programmed since we are young to be consumers, the answer is almost always more, 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 more. When what I'm finding is less with more intention. Don't bounce to that next high. Stop. Like I go to the festival. I take a day afterwards to clean all my things, do all my laundry, put everything where it's supposed to be in its place and reflect. What were my lessons? What were my takeaways? What were the things that I would like to have done better? Because it always ends up being a healing and transformational space for me because I come in with an intention. Taking time to pause, to slow down, allows us to enjoy the precious moments of life more and get really connected to the power of an experience versus seeking to fill a hole that can never be satiated by more, right? Filling a hole versus becoming or remembering our wholeness. The difference is intention and the difference difference is whether or not we take time to digest our experiences. Lesson number seven, learn how to suffer with intention. <laughs> I love this one. I honestly think it's probably going to be triggering for some, but I love it. And the reason why I love it is this. I committed last year to get a, what is referred to as a Spartan trifecta. And a Spartan trifecta, Spartan races, you ever heard of them? It's like running with obstacles. That's like the simplest way to describe it. It's running with obstacles. And they have all kinds of obstacles from like swimming through mud or climbing a rope or putting a big ass, what they call an atlas on your shoulder and walking around. There's all kinds of cool shit. If you've never done one, I highly recommend it. Anyone can do it. it you know, so long as you like, you know, honor your body, if you have injuries and stuff like that. But it literally all walks from tall, short, wide, thin, more muscular, less muscular, like any shape and size, they exist there. They're really great. I highly recommend checking them out. I committed to doing a trifecta, which is a 5K, a 10K, and a 21K race within one year, which I am not somebody at all who likes running at all, like not even a little bit. I did like obstacles, but I saw it as something I wanted to just challenge myself to do. I was like, let's try something new. Fuck it. Did my first race. Loved it. Ended up going and doing two more races. But during the second race, I was running with a couple of friends. And this race was in, we were in South Carolina. And it had some decent sized hills. Like there was some decent landscapiness, just like ups and downs, etc. And it's on those uphills when you're just really fucking going through it. It's like, oh, 
wow, this is a struggle. And there was one point in time where one of my buddies had run past me and I could tell that he was struggling. I could tell that he was suffering. And somehow he was choosing to lean into his suffering. Now, this isn't the first time in my life I'd ever like moved through something challenging, uncomfortable, but it was in that moment where this idea of like in suffering with intention allows us to know how to suffer and or said another way to move through something that is challenging with intention when we practice it. When I practice learning how to go through challenging shit or learning how to suffer, like pushing through a grueling race or pushing through a grueling workout or sitting through a very uncomfortable conversation with someone that I love, all of those become a practice for being able to sit with the uncomfortable and prove to ourselves and to our nervous system that, hey, I can come out the other side a better, stronger, more loving person than I was before. And it learns with, or rather learns with, it starts with being able to lean into those uncomfortable moments and learning how to suffer with intention. Lesson number eight. We're going to get weirder and weirder as the time goes on. You have the same 24 hours. 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds in a day that all humans have. Where are you investing your precious moments? Jim Quick, renowned brain optimization coach. He's great. I've taken a number of his courses. Love him. He was the first person who I had heard referred to as each second as a dollar. And he was like, hey, if each and every second is a dollar, where are you investing it? If someone, if someone comes and air quote takes $10 from you, are you going to spend the rest of the 86,390 trying to go and get it back? Like, where are you putting each and every one of those dollars? Okay. I'm putting eight hours worth of seconds, minutes, and hours into sleeping. Okay. Now how much do I have left and really starting to connect to where we're investing our time and our money. If we think of each and every moment as an investment, when I go on Instagram, like, Oh yeah, look at this post from this person. I just couldn't really give a shit left about, but I'm like doing it anyways. Why am I doing it? Like, why am I investing my money here? A lot of times it's, you know, because we're trying to avoid like a pain or something that we're you know, avoiding, or we're trying to get a quick dopamine hit, or we're really frustrated with how our work and our life is going. But when we're truly engaged with life, we get really intentional about where we're investing our time. When we're having a good ass fucking time with our people, we're doing something we enjoy, we're all in. But what about those moments when we're not? Myself, for example, the places where I most easily get lost is on Instagram. I could say TV, but I honestly don't watch TV that much. I want to do it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and do this, you know, a little more intentionally. I don't think that these things are inherently bad. So let me just say that. I don't think Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TV or Netflix or any things are inherently bad. In fact, in and of themselves, they're not bad at all. They're very neutral. And bad and good is subjective. I don't even like to really use those terms. But is it serving me or is it not serving me? And the reality is, is if we're being mindful about how we're investing our dollars, our seconds, our precious moments on this life, then it's okay to have some of it where we're investing it just to chill or watch a documentary or watch our favorite TV show. But if that's the main thing that we're doing, then we're wasting away and sacrificing a non-renewable resource. It is a non-renewable resource that we can never get back from the moment that we're born. We are dying. There is a clock with a set number of seconds that we are you know, metaphorically born with. And every action that we take is either removing with greater speed the seconds from our life or adding depth 
to those seconds that we have now, there's a whole conversation on whether we can actually add seconds to our life, which I'm kind of inspired by that conversation. I think the answer could be yes. But the main point that I'm trying to make here is that we need to be more mindful with where our seconds are going. Because when we are more intentional with our seconds and our moments, then we have intentional, we live an intentional life and it starts by being mindful of where we're investing those precious moments. Lesson number nine. Faith is trusting that God, spirit, universe, whatever resonates with you, exists in the unknown. This implies an important word that I've been learning about from a lived experience called surrender. Where some people think, like, oh, surrender is just like, oh, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. Like, throw our arms up in the air and just whirl them around. Like, you know, hope everything works. I'm just going to meditate and everything's going to happen. No. You actually have to go and do shit. But there's also a certain amount of, I can't control how this is going to go. I can do my absolute best to, to be loving and compassionate towards my friend when I have this difficult conversation. But ultimately, I can't choose how they respond. That's the surrender piece. That's the letting go. I go to my boss. I have the best intention of asking for a raise because I believe I'm deserving of more. How they respond is outside of my control. And when we can have faith or let go, like surrendering, not becoming passive, but like actively let go, it's almost like we're speaking with and to our higher power saying, I know that there's only so much that I can do and energy and effort and do, do, do. It's time for me to be and trust that everything that is unfolding, whether it is incredibly challenging or incredibly easing, that it's for me, right? Like, is life happening to me or is life happening for me? But faith, as I'm learning, and I am by no means a perfect practitioner of this, is sometimes... We just have to get out of our own fucking way and trust that there is something beyond what we could possibly understand or capture with our analytical mind that is maneuvering, navigating this ship that is our life and our journey. Not easy. And when we do make space for surrender, we now allow ourselves to go from trying to force and control every outcome in our life to being a co-creator with the universe, God, the divine, and being able to quantum manifest, which is something I've recently been learning more and more about, not from just like what I've heard people in post, but actually experiencing the lived experience of, I was intending so fucking hard for so long to get this car. I was trying to save money, save money, save money. I'm going to get there one day. I waited years and I told myself and I denied myself of this fucking vehicle. But the moment that I said, you know what? I'm over tolerating this vehicle that I mentioned earlier that I'm ready to get rid of out of fucking nowhere family friend comes to me and says, I have a car just like the car that you fucking want. And I'm willing to give it to you for free. What? I call bullshit. Well, they called my bluff. I own this car now. And with little TLC, bitch runs good. Excuse my French. If you don't like that word, I'm sorry. And just, you know, being me, I don't mean anything by it. But main point here is that I had to have faith in a way and like surrender. Like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to trust that the universe has my back. What do I do? And I just let go and there it fucking is. I did all of the actions that I could take. And now I've been able to reap the results because of that. Have a little faith. 
Lesson number 10, trauma isn't what happens to us. It's what happens inside of us in response to what happens to us. I started back in, what month was it? November? October? I think it was November. Anyway, sometime last year, at the end of last year, I started going through a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator and leadership program. Essentially, I wanted to learn how to be a better space holder inside of the context of trauma. And one of the things that the program leader, Fabiani, Fabiano Manino, incredible human being, highly recommend connecting with him, impressed upon me was that trauma is not actually what happens to us, but what happens inside of us in response to what happens to us. And the reason why this was so important to me is because it allowed me to look at some of the traumatic experiences that I've had in my life, i.e. what, it, you know, being sexually abused as a child and being able to see like, Whatever happened is what happened, and I can go through the practice of forgiveness, but the reality of the real trauma is the stuff that's actually going on inside of me. It's not actually what happened. It's what my body is registering it as. How is my body holding on to this trauma or this pain? And what work do I need to do in order to release it and relieve it so it's not continuing to just take up space in my body and not pay rent and be the, the silent puppet master of my life? It's like, hey, who? Like, this is, yes, you're allowed to be this way or not be this way. You're good enough, not good enough. Like, Got to move through the things that were happening inside of me. And all of this is like a slight distinction. It was powerful for me in recognizing that, well, I am at cause for my life. And whatever happens, what happened, maybe I couldn't control that. Right? I certainly can't change that it happened. But I can control how I respond to what has been left over inside of me. And I get to choose who I'm going to be moving forward. Number 11, the most important thing is to keep the most important thing, the most important thing. <laughs> Say that again. The most important thing is to keep the most important thing, the most important thing. And very simply, what this means to me is that it is really fucking easy to be swept away with all the things in our life that are vying for our attention from social media to our friends, our family, our lovers, our anything, job, family kids, whatever. There's so many things that are vying for our time and our energy these days. Like we've never been in, in history. We've never had more things vying for our attention. And it can be very challenging to know what's important, but essentially knowing what's important is saying, I know what is priority. And when we know what our priorities are and we keep our priorities, the priority, it makes it much fucking easier to live life at peace, knowing that what we're doing in that moment is the thing that we're supposed to be doing. But it's, if the most important thing for me is working on my financial well-being because it's been crippling me for so long. And I say that, but then I'm going and spending hours swiping on social media. Then the most important thing is not being kept the most important thing. And that is the most important thing. And when we, when we live life this way of keeping the most important thing, the most important thing, that's when our life starts to look more like our fuck yes, because we're more consistently taking actions with the things that actually matter. If you never have looked it up, look up Eisenhower's Matrix or Stephen Covey's Urgent Important or someone else has said another version of it. I think it went back to like Ben Franklin, but they all say the same thing. You have two major planes, urgent and important. And the things that are urgent and important or important and not urgent, like that's where we want to spend the majority of our time and our energy, because those are the areas that produce the best results in our lives. So priorities equals a focus. And when we are focused, we create simplicity and simplicity creates 
a little bit more of an exhale, a little bit more of a release. Number 12, it's okay to fuck up. It's how you respond to your fuck ups that makes all the difference. If you have ever struggled with perfectionism like me, or you were ever, you, you became so anxious about how to respond, or how to show up, how to act because of the fear that you weren't going to do it right or do it perfect. That shit fucking sucks. It's not a great way to live life. It never has yielded a fuck yes life for me. And very simply, all I'm going to say is that it's okay to fuck up. In fact, I'm learning that the, it's actually so much better to take imperfect action with good intention and to fuck up and to learn because once we realize, well, like once we go through enough fuck ups and we learn and we learn and we learn, we realize that there is really no such thing as a fuck up. There's just like, there's no like failures in life. It's like, oh, it's like, if you fail, you learn. It's like the, the only failure is the failure to learn. The only fuck up is continuing to make the same fuck ups. We just gotta, you know, do a little bit better. But when we fuck up, air quote, fuck up, it's how we respond after that, how we show up, how we take action that determines how well or not we are showing up because I'm going to say the wrong thing to my partner in the moment. I'm going to make a mistake at work that I'm like, oh, I'm going to get fired over or say, oh, your butt look, you know, fat in those jeans or like whatever the thing is, you know, like whenever you do something like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Or we didn't, you know, do as well in our art as we would like to, or I'm going to create a podcast like this, or I'm going to be more like right now, my, one of my things is like being more true to myself. And like, I curse and I say certain things that I realize are going to be triggering for some people. But if you know me well enough, you know, like, I'm just a silly goofy motherfucker. And I just say shit sometimes that, you know, whatever it comes out of my mouth. Like, I don't mean anything by it, but like, I'm going to make mistakes. And my fear of being canceled or not being enough or whatever it is, I'm still not choosing to let that be the thing that is driving my life. So when we surrender the perfection for, I'm willing to take imperfect action and just show up to do my best long-term, and we'll find that there is more peace on the other side of that than there is with trying to calculate every tiny fucking micro decision that buries us in the beneath the earth with the pressure of being perfect when we can never be perfect and trying to be perfect just creates paralysis as you know saying analysis paralysis it creates paralysis it creates anxiety it literally creates anxiety and you know what fuck that just keep getting better step by step moment by moment it's okay to fuck up lesson number 13 you can hit rewind or replay on your tv or on the TV or your phone. You can't, however, hit rewind on the precious moments with the important people in your life. This lesson has come through a number of times, but there was an instance where I was sitting down with my partner watching, pretty much it was like we were laying down, we were cuddling and I got so wrapped up 
in the football game that was on the TV, and this happened, you know, like watching TV or watching, you know, some other show or whatever, or being on my phone, that I was missing the thing that that person was saying, that they were sharing something really emphatic. You're sharing something really emphatic. And my wanting to hear, see this so bad, seeing, you know, oh, did they score the touchdown? Like whatever it was, I wanted to see it so bad that I totally dismissed what was being said to me. And I ultimately didn't receive that fully, which, oh, by the way, ended up having that person feel like not seen, not cared for, that what was on the TV was more important than hearing what she had to say. And this isn't the first time that this has happened for me in my life, whether it was football or checking something on my phone. I've now started working on building the, the new habit called if something, if I'm watching TV or I'm swiping on my phone or whatever it is that I'm doing, not that I'm trying to do it more frequently, but if I am and someone's vying for my attention, I can either one, communicate, hey, I don't have space for it right now, or two, I can pause what I'm doing and take the moment in this now fucking moment to be fully fucking present because I cannot get back those precious moments with the important people that I care about. I can't, however, go back and hit the rewind and see, oh, did they score the touchdown? Yes or no? Or like catch the replay on fucking ESPN or whatever it is. Life is happening whether we choose to participate or not. And the degree to which that we choose to participate with life is the degree to which we are going to feel alive. <laughs> alive. See what I did there? One day, final seconds going to tick off the clock. Am I more likely to be regretful of missing that touchdown live or missing the smile and the words and the felt presence of that human who's next to me. That's a good indicator. Lesson number 14. Flow follows focus. Distractions break focus. Flow, as Stephen Kotler describes it, is an altered state of consciousness where we feel and perform our best. Said another way, it's being in the zone. In flow, it feels like everything is just effortless and with ease and we feel fully engaged in the deep now. I'm certain you can think of a moment in your life where everything else evaporated and you were just fully fucking present. Maybe it was reading a book. Maybe it was watching an incredible movie that was captivating or a very special moment with a significant other or some other transcendent or transcending, transcendent, transcending experience in life. That can only happen when we're focused. For example, right now, I'm very heavily focused on this podcast right now. There's a bajillion other things that are happening right now in the world. I am choosing to focus here. And there are moments when my distraction, or the distraction, like I'll hear something jingling back over here behind me, or like something is out inside of the window and it breaks my focus for a moment. And it's breaking my flow. Even for just a second, it's pulling me from my now, from this experience I'm having right here with you as I'm talking and sharing these thoughts and ideas about the 23 lessons for 2023, right? The only way we can enter this flow state is through being focused. And when we don't create our environments in our life 
to be as distraction-free as possible, we essentially can never get into flow state. We can never be in flow. Not just like when people say, oh, go with the flow, dude. And they just like kind of like passively float through life as if like that's how it works. No, like flow is an active process and it requires our focus. It requires all of our attention because as the saying goes, where attention goes, energy flows. Where our focus goes, our energy flows. It's all the same shit. It's got different packaging on it. When we create an environment where we remove distractions so we can be present, like for me, it's like my phone's a big distraction. Do not disturb, turning it off, putting on an app. I have an app called Stay Free that keeps me from getting a certain apps when I'm working or doing other things. These distractions are disrupting all areas of our life because, you know, it's like taking me longer to get my work done. And then my work goes longer into my evening, which means I can't turn off sooner. So now I'm like, trying to i'm like playing when i'm working and then working when i'm playing like i'm like trying to hang out with my friends and i'm thinking about the work that didn't get done it's disruptive everywhere it's disruptive from work it's disruptive outside of work it's disruptive in mission and purpose distractions destroy fucking life well, it's probably said weirdly but distractions destroy our life so best to optimize our environments to not be one big ass distraction as the saying goes, if it can be a distraction, it is one. So let's get rid of some distractions in this. In this itch with a B. Lesson number 15. The exhale is just as important as the inhale. I sat with Hoppe last year for the first time. Hoppe, if you don't know what it is, it is a non-psychedelic tobacco snuff. It's like, um, you take it in terms of like through the nose, like you would cocaine. I've never done cocaine, so I don't actually know like what that experience is like. But you, you use this little tool. It's like two different terms, like Kiripe and Tepe, I believe. And you either self-administer or someone administers it to you, but essentially like this powdered tobacco. And when you inhale it through your nose, it has a very profoundly grounding experience. Like it really brings you into your body and allows you to flush out a lot of the distractions, allows you to really like tap into the energetic felt experience of your human experience. For me, it's been very helpful with grounding and getting present. Uh, a lot of people use it in conjunction with, uh, what is it, meditating? Because it's really good in like altering, in my experience, the brainwave frequencies to be more resemblant of that in meditation that we're seeking, essentially like the goal of meditation is to get to a certain brainwave state where we're aligned, if you will, if you have a goal, it's a whole other conversation, not gonna go down that rabbit hole. But the point is, is when I was in this ceremony sitting with it, there was a point where I was taking these really big inhales and just feeling the energy flow of the inhale, but I wasn't letting go. And when I really exhaled and let go, You'll notice that when you inhale, you expand. Taller diaphragm is expanding, it's filling air. But when we exhale, we're starting to more like slump and, and release and let go. Sun energy, inhale. Moon energy, exhale. I had a tendency, have had a tendency towards being so in the inhale, the go, the do, the masculine. But what I wasn't making as much space for was the exhale, the release, 
the being, the surrender, the feminine, the yin. See all these different analogies all pointing in the same thing. Yin, yang, push, pull, black, white. The whole metaphor is so good. But essentially what it showed me is that I needed to harmonize, just like the yin, yang, harmonize. I needed to harmonize my exhale in life. I had to make more time for me to let fucking go. To slow down, slow the fuck down. And I am doing that more and more. Even in this conversation, sometimes I get amped up, my energy gets really high and rampant, and ah, I can talk a million miles a minute. And there are times where I'm just like, and come back center. Neither one is right or wrong. Neither one is better. It's just important to have an awareness. Do I lean more towards the exhale and like lethargy, depressive, kind of slow, not, not moving type energy? Or do I lean more towards going, doing, action type energy? Because knowing where we are in the spectrum allows us to give ourselves what we need more fully. But for me, for example, it was the exhale. And the exhale is just as important as the inhale. Meaning I need to harmonize my being and my doing, my push and pull, my intention and surrender. Number 16, that which you damn, damns you back. Man, this one is a, a tough one to swallow. Essentially, damn, make wrong, shame, guilt, etc. We are also thusly damning ourselves. Like the whole analogy, if you like point a finger at somebody, like I'm pointing right now, if you're watching the video, you would see. When I'm pointing a finger at somebody, there's like three fingers pointing at myself. Whether or not you like, you know, how that works. Essentially, all that saying is, is anytime we're energetically throwing shit at somebody else or ourselves, we're throwing at somebody, we're still throwing at ourselves. And if we throw at ourselves, well, we're throwing it at ourselves. So if we damn a certain aspect of our sexuality, then it only exasperates the negative felt experience of it. If I damn the way that my friend talks over people, I'm so like, like, oh, why do they always do that? Like anytime I'm like damning another person or an aspect of another person, I'm also damning myself because energetically there is a bi-directional flow and likely and oftentimes the things that we do damn in others is really something within ourselves that we haven't resolved. Because there is a way to see something that maybe recognize, maybe that's not the highest expression of myself for that person. And I love you in that. I have compassion for it. And how do we continue to improve? We don't have to damn it in order to see it be different. But when we do, it has a tendency to damn us back, either in the form of another person, or we realize, holy shit, I'm actually doing that thing that I'm damning somebody else for. Or we end up you know, damning ourselves and uh, never have I ever heard of somebody who experience a lot of healing, transformation, or growth say that, oh, my key to success was hating myself so much. I just was never enough ever. And I'm still not, but hey, here we are. And, and also I've never heard of a relationship, a successful relationship where they're like, oh, you know, like we really made this work because like I said that she sucked at shit and he said that I sucked at stuff. And like we kind of collectively went back and forth about how we sucked and we damned each other. No, that's never happened in the ever of ever done. It almost always comes back to compassion, understanding, commitment to more and doing our fucking best. So be mindful of what you damn. Maybe even ask yourself, I'm damning this in someone else, but where is that in me? Where is that in me? 17, fuck being a people pleaser. 
you know, this one is still really tough for me. And even in this conversation, in this podcast, and even for people who know me, like I still sometimes will withhold from saying certain things, saying certain cuss words, using certain analogies because of the concern of how it will be received. And truth be told, I absolutely have a fear of being canceled subconsciously, consciously. And also, you know, I know there's going to be a point where it's like, it's just likely to happen just because I'm just fucking weird and goofy. And I say shit again, a lot of times I don't always mean it, but I'm just going to say it, we're oftentimes a little bit too fucking soft. We're too soft, and we're overly attached to our entitled opinions. I just said it. And there's nothing wrong with having an opinion. It's just when we take our opinions and weaponize them against someone else and use it as a means to diminish them, to put them in a box or a container, to, to tear them down, when it's ironic because... If somebody says some shit that bothers us, like, oh, that's terrible. And then we go and we make terrible things about them. We say terrible things about them. We're only perpetuating the cycle. And we're not inspiring each other to move towards our highest potential. In fact, we're saying, oh, well, you did something I didn't like, so I'm going to tell you that. And also, by the way, I hate you, and you're a bad person. And by the way, let's cancel you and everything else. That has never yielded healing. That has never yielded transformation, never healed anything. And the problem is, is that for the person like myself, who's on like concerned about how they're going to be received, then we constantly become calculated in every single word, every single action, and every single thing that we share, because the concern that it's going to be viewed the wrong way, or that we'll say it and fuck up, which is, you know, reminding myself earlier, like, it's okay to fuck up. It's how we respond. But my commitment to this one is is tough i'm working on it and like fuck being a people pleaser is basically saying let's be true to ourselves and not at the expense of other people meaning like oh i'm just gonna be true to myself fuck being a people pleaser we'll also fuck you it's like no it's not that it's like i'm gonna do me i'm gonna do my best to come from loving compassionate and understanding intentions and despite my best efforts sometimes i'm gonna say something or do something that's something gonna rub someone the wrong way and it's out, it's out of my control. It's out of my hands. Now I can choose to go and have a conversation with that person to clear it up. But in terms of it becoming a reason that I anxiously walk around and tiptoe, like I'm on eggshells, like, oh my goodness, am I doing it right? Is it enough? Fuck that. It's not a way to live life. It's not a way to bring more peace and harmony to everyone ourselves included. It always starts with the person in the mirror. And ultimately, I was not put on this planet to appease you, and nor were you put on the planet to appease me. We're all just doing our best. And sometimes part of it is just, you know, allowing ourselves to say, fuck it, I'm going to do me. And, you know, from love, but also fuck people pleasing, because it's lame. Number 18, <laughs> don't allow the feelings, mood, and emotions of others to sweep you off your peaceful center. This lesson came up for me one time when a friend and I went hiking. And after the hike, we were needing to get down this mountain and we were struggling to get a, uh, what's this thing called when the car comes, pick you, comes and picks you up? An Uber. You can tell how often I use them. We need to get an Uber, but because we were in, a, uh, in the middle of no fucking where up a mountain, 
there wasn't exactly like a plethora of people on the mountain being like, hey, like <laughs> ready to pick you up. You're ready to go down the mountain. There wasn't a bunch of them. And because of that, I ended up having to wait, you know, a little chunk of time. But what I noticed was that he was getting really, really frustrated with the fact that this was happening. He's like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. And it just ended up being this big thing. And I noticed myself almost starting to dip into that emotion with him and get pulled off of my center. Meanwhile, here I am literally sitting on top of a mountain overlooking this beautiful forest in Asheville, North Carolina. Like, wake the fuck up, man. Like I'm saying this to myself. Like I could get pulled into this frustration and be like, oh, it's not going exactly the way that my brain wanted it to be. And this is like the whole like surrender and having faith in the unknown ended up actually working out really fucking great. Like uh, him coming later and ended up the person who picked us up was actually like the great person to pick us up because it led us to this really great restaurant. We had a really great time and, and all these other beautiful things that came from it. You know, faith, you know, believing and trusting that God exists in the unknown, God's pure universe, etc. It's really easy. It's so fucking easy. To see somebody who's angry or frustrated and to, and to dip into that with them. Or to see someone's sadness and to sink into it with them. And I think, and you know, being someone who's like being trained in like trauma-informed, trauma-trained spaces, like there is a time and a place to allow yourself to go into it with intention with somebody. But there's another thing where it's like ripping us off our center and it's ripping us of our sovereignty to say, you know what? I see you in that. And I'm still just going to be over here, be my goofy old fucking self, enjoying the shit out of these beautiful Asheville mountains. You know, it's a choice in my opinion. I can choose to remain center. I can choose to go into it. Of course, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But just because someone else is swimming in their frustration doesn't mean we need to let them pull us in that pool of frustration with them. Lesson number 19. Holy crap, we're already through 19. It's funny. At first, I was like, I wonder if I'll get this done in like 30 minutes. And I recognized that that was never going to be a thing, that this was like a really deep dive. And I'm glad that we're doing it this way. Lesson number 19, it's inconsiderate and immature to surprise another human with the air quote, we need to talk conversation. Ooh. Be honest. Have you giving or receiving have you ever given someone the, we need to talk? Like you shot them a text. You're like, Hey, like we need to talk. And then like ghosted them or didn't say anything after that. Or was just like left them on the fucking hook or vice versa. Have you ever had someone do that to you? Hey, I really need to talk to you about something. Okay. Let's talk. No, not right now. It's not a good time. What? Full transparency. I've done both. I've done less of the giving it to other people, but I have done it. And actually, this is a great story because there was actually one instance this past year where I needed to have a conversation with a brother of mine. For me, it felt like there was a number of things that he was committing to doing and he wasn't following through. It's very frustrating for me because it was taking a lot of my time and my energy. And I was like, can you follow through on, this, on the things that you said that you were going to do? So I was like, we need to have a, you know, we need to have a conversation because it's like really disrupting my experience of you and, and our working relationship. So... I, I was like, Hey, can we connect? This is one way to do it. It's like, Hey, can we connect? Yeah. And then we got to the physical location and I dropped this bomb in him of things I wanted to talk about. And one of the first things he said to me was like, Whoa, like, you know, I wish I had known that all of this was weighing on you for so long. And like that I would have known coming into it. So I could have, you know, like mentally and emotionally prepared. 
And it was in that moment that I realized, wow, like that was really inconsiderate of me. It was really inconsiderate. And quite frankly, in, you know, I can call it immature for myself because like we see, I thought I was doing, I thought I was being well-intentioned because like my intention was, I just don't want him to like, I don't want him with like, we need to talk and like have him sitting in it for like whatever period of time. So I was like, oh, like, let me just, you know, not make it a thing. But his response to me was no, like, you know, you don't have to tell me everything. You should be like, Hey, you know, like there's something I'd like to talk to you about. Like there's something that's been frustrating me and like our relationship, but like, I don't want to, you know, get into all of that now. And I don't want to like leave you in it, but I just want to make space for to talk about some things that have been kind of weighing on my head and my heart. So then if the person wants to ask more questions, they can, but I'm not just throwing shit onto their plate to be up about, to like have to deal with it because it's so like, it just, it, it messed with him and it messed with me knowing that I could have been more intentional about it. So when it comes to this one, I'm just going to say it like it is. If we are using the, we need to talk as a way to communicate, it's manipulation, it's bullshit and don't do it. It's just not fair. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to anyone involved. If there is some shit that we need to talk about, then be honest. Like, Hey, there's something that is weighing on me. Can we talk about it? And don't say that. And then like, go ghost and not make yourself available because that's another form of manipulation. It's totally inconsiderate. It's totally immature. It's not spiritual. It's not anything. It's just bullshit. It doesn't serve anybody. In fact, it's likely a, a mechanism that we learn from our parents or something otherwise, or we learn like, oh, like this is how you like deal with your shit. And the reality is if you got some shit, <laughs> take some ownership or own your shit. You know, if you got something that's weighing on you, even if it was brought about because the other person, it's still your job to take ownership of it. It's your trigger. It's my trigger. It's ours to own. No one else's. It's just learning how to be, you know, more compassionate communicators. Learning how to communicate in a way that has everyone feel empowered, that we can have difficult and challenging conversations because we're intentional about doing them. So let's be a little more considerate with how we choose to go about having those difficult conversations. Number 20, we're only got a handful more, less than a handful, the fourth. Number 20, debt in any area of your life, or rather any area of life, hinders us from the felt experience of freedom. This is one I've been pondering a lot because when I say debt, originally it started with money, but then I realized debt or being in the hole shows up in many areas of life. It can show up in work. It can show up in relationships. It can show up in money. It can show up in so many different ways, but essentially it's when we feel like we're in the hole for something. The easiest one to point at is money because it's so you know tangible, if you will. But when I'm buried underneath $20,000 of credit card debt, $40,000 in student loan debt, and you know all the other different debts that we might have, and we still have money going out, and we're still spending money on shit we don't need, which is a whole nother conversation for other time. That is like a fucking parachute attached to our back that we're trying to run into our future with, but it's hindering us from moving at good pace. Because you know, without it, I might run like 16 miles an hour. The parachute on my back, I'm probably running like five or six. Like it's completely depleting my ability to be fully present in my now because I have shit that's weighing on me. In a relationship, it's very hard for me to experience love, freedom, vitality when what's weighing on me is the, the fact that me and my partner have been putting off, you know, having an important conversation around whether or not we should, you know, continue our relationship together or if we need to, 
you know, have a real conversation about like, I have these like sexual needs that I want to express. I need support in, or like the communication the way we're communicating is, is not like working for me, like something, right. It could be a relationship with someone that we care about. It can be in our work. If you have like this mountain of work to get done, it can be very challenging if almost impossible to think about going and having a great weekend and, and actually fully experiencing that weekend, like being in the experience of the weekend and, going out swimming in the lake or whatever the fuck it is when in the back of our brain there's this unprocessed 10 inch thick worth of papers and files we need to move through think about one area of your life that you feel like you're in debt and be honest do you feel free there the answer is probably no so one way that i have been learning to create more freedom is to handle that debt i.e i would literally went and paid off all of my physical well physical money debt. I went and paid it all off. <sighs> Talk about an exhale. Talk about, I don't have hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a year in credit card interest. Cause fuck that shit. It's literally, that's a whole other conversation, but it's not promoting me in the direction of my, of my freedom. It's very hard for me to, to feel connected and intimate and want to be, you know, intimate sexually with my partner. When what's weighing on my brain is that trying to give a good example what's what's weighing on my head with my partner is that i feel like i'm i'm not pleasing my partner in in the ways that they'd like to so i'm trying to be present during like say a sexual experience but like i'm like oh i'm not like i doesn't feel like i'm doing good enough or if i if i if you know if i really want to feel connected and intimate with them but in the back of my head i'm really really stressed out and anxious because work has been so heavy like when i'm not communicating those things right truth withheld is poison truth expressed is medicine it's debt it's a hole and in order to be able to create a beautiful life that just unfolds in a way that i couldn't possibly have imagined it starts with getting present as much as we can of course there's like intentional forms of debt or investment but we want to make sure that we can get present day by handling those debts, the things that are holding us back from moving forward in our lives. 21. Ooh, this one might've come up on a past reflection as well, but I love it so much. Again, it came back. Shout out Kayla Hans. You inspired this one. And it's so important to me. If it costs me my peace, it's too damn expensive. Oh shit. If it costs me my peace, it's too damn expensive. All I'm saying is that I'm moving more in the direction of my life where if something is costing my peace and not like a temporary amount of peace, like, oh, I worked out and like, oh, it's like not like the most peaceful thing in that moment. I mean, like debt with money, conversations I'm avoiding, wanting to ask for a raise, the fucking car being in a place where I'm like worried if it's going to break down, like disturbing my pieces every time I fucking drive, I'm like, Oh, like is this vehicle going to get me there. And again, the metaphor for life is the vehicle that I'm using for my life. One that is creating peace. If the answer's no, then it's a fuck no. And we need to figure out how it's going to be a fuck. Yes. Because why would I spend my life want to invest my life continuing to be, have it suck dry from the things that are not bringing about the peace. It's too damn expensive, bitch, bye. Like, you gotta go. Hey, friend, that is my friend, but talk shit behind my back. You gotta go, sorry. Or, you know, we have a conversation. Hey, like, this shit doesn't work for me anymore. You know, communication, 
Truth Withheld is Poison, that thing. Hey, friend. Hey, job. Hey, I've been working here a long time, and, like, I've been asking for a raise. I haven't gotten it. And, like, this raise is going to really help me with the fact that shit's fucking expensive. Inflation's crazy right now. Asking for it. It's costing me my piece. Too damn expensive. Okay, it's time to go find another job. You know, we have to we have to have a higher standard for ourselves because when we have a higher standard for ourselves in our lives, we start seeing where the shit in our lives is not meeting that standard. Jobs, relationships, etc. And we start putting on the chopping block. Do you deserve to be in my life? No, shh, gotta go, bye. You know? Doesn't need to stay. Cost me my piece? Too damn expensive. It's too much. I ain't doing it. That price tag's too big. Number 22. You were born worthy and enough. That will never change. 2022, I had my first experience sitting in ceremony with Combo. Thank you, Josh and Cheval Rose, for facilitating a beautiful space. Combo, which I by no means an expert on, and I'm not recommending anybody do or do not take it, just sharing my experience. Combo is a sacred frog medicine where you basically poke a few holes. It was like, it sounds funky saying that. I'm like showing the video. They used to have these like little marks, but they've kind of faded. But essentially you create like three burns on the skin and then you administer this, I believe it's technically considered frog poison. Sounds crazy, right? There are a number of incredible benefits from this practice when done intentionally, when done in ceremony and everything else. From mental and emotional health. I've heard things around immune system. There's all kinds of things. I'm not the expert. I'm just going to speak about my experience. I came into this container super anxious and afraid that I was going to have an outburst of emotion, anger, sadness. I wasn't really sure. The frog excrement or whatever it is, was administered. I felt from the spots on my shoulder, it, it only way I can describe it is it felt like a wave. It felt like a wave of heat, like a firebender shot a wave of heat inside of my, my body, down my arms, down my chest, down my legs. Like there's just this wave of heat that flushed my entire system. And what I thought was going to be met with a big, massive outrage or outroar of rage and anger, I was met with deep sorrow, lots of crying, just like snot, tears flying all over the place. And through the void, as I'm moving through these very deep emotions, emotions, energy and motion, I heard the voice, I heard a voice and it said, you are, you rather, you always have, you always are, and you always will be enough. You were born this way. I created you this way and that will never change. Even as I pause and I say with it now, I can feel the warmth in my heart. 
it was so profound to recognize and to remember that despite whatever conditioning, whatever stories, whatever experiences I've had in my life, at least for me, that my connection with my higher power was reminding me, and I share this with you because I know this to be true, I am, you are, we are enough. And there's nothing that we can do, undo, add, take away, or change that will ever have that be fucking different. There's no amount of money, no amount of accolades, Nobel Peace Prizes, triathlons, perfect relationships. There's not a single thing that we can ever do that will make us more worthy. We just are. That can be a little challenging to receive, especially if we've dealt with self-esteem, self-worth issues like myself coming from a place where I truly hated myself, believed I was unlovable. No one would ever love me. I'd be alone forever. <sighs> this reminder helps me to come back home and I hope it does for you too. And da -da 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 lesson number 23, honor your pace. I mentioned towards the beginning earlier on in this conversation that 2022 from an objective result standpoint was one of the most productive results producing years of my life. And I was and have been moving through anxiety, physical anxiety in a way that I'd never experienced. This tension in my chest, this anxiously doing actions back to back to back and never feeling like it was ever and never it was it was never going to be enough, right? Coming back to the worthiness and being enough. It's like having a cup and trying to pour into it, but the bottom of the cup is cut out and everything you pour into just goes right through. There was a moment where I was talking to one of my mentors in the trauma-informed breathwork container, Nathan Kohlerman. Love you, brother. Don't know if you ever hear this, but if you do, love you. I was talking about all the different rituals, routines, and practices that I had to you know, keep myself centered and all that. And he put a question to my heart around whether or not that I needed to have all these practices or if I was doing them because I was convincing myself that I needed to. Have you given yourself the time to, to just do nothing, to slow down, to, to give yourself what you really wanted, which is nothing, to slow down, to go at your own pace versus trying to keep up with all the gurus and people who are doing, you know, like going, you know, achieving so many incredible accolades or creating a successful business or a successful podcast or whatever it is, like just trying to get there and get there and get there versus being here right the fuck now. Sure, I created a lot of results in the process. I, I didn't enjoy the process as much as I could have. I showed the fuck up. Showed up in a way I'd never shown up in my entire life. And it robbed me of my peace. And as I said, if it costs me my peace, it's too damn expensive. And if it's, a, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. And sometimes just 
got to allow ourselves to slow down. You know, for some of us, maybe we need to pick up the pace. Regardless, the, the point here is to honor your pace. Not what any other fucking person in the world, not me, not the next guru, Tony Robbins, your friend, your mom, no damn body gets to tell you what your pace is. Sometimes you, we need to move quicker. Sometimes we need to move slower. Sometimes we're kind of in between. But when we learn how to have the discernment for what we need in that moment, we can honor our pace. Sometimes it's a snail's pace. Sometimes it's a cheetah's pace. You know, whatever. Insert your favorite animals there that represent that. Learning to honor our pace allows us to honor our life's pace. And that is far more likely, in my opinion, my guess, my hypothesis, is going to be the key or the pathway to a life where we can create incredible results, success, et cetera, by our own definition, and love the process, enjoy the process, and be where we are. As I start to wrap this conversation, there's a couple more thoughts I want to throw in here. And one being that there, I said this a little bit earlier too, is that there, there, there's no right or wrong way to, to, to do any of this, right? What you're listening to, like, there's no, there are no failures. There's only the failure to learn from our past mistakes and experiences, right? And those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. The whole purpose of this entire podcast and everything, as I mentioned, was to share lessons, but it's really about the importance of slowing down and reflecting because when we do that, we can receive the whispers and the wisdom from the divine God, spirit, universe. We can receive them and start to implement them in our lives to change our lives dramatically. It starts small. It's with consistent actions. It's from listening to this conversation saying, wow, like that was a lot of different lessons. I'm not going to take all of them. Like, what are the ones that are the most important to me? Like, what are the ones that most resonate? What is my fuck? Yes. And whatever isn't discard, discard what is, you know, absorb what is useful, discard what is not discard it, absorb it. Great. Change it, make it your own, make it unique to you. And as I'd mentioned at the top of the call, I said, Hey, stick around. I'm going to share you my biggest, my biggest personal lesson and intention as I'm heading into this year and encouragement for the preparation to your year. Of course, by the time this is released, I acknowledge that it's already past the new year. Like we're already into it, but you know, still timely in its own way. It's, it's on its time and its own time, honoring its pace. <sighs> My biggest lesson or intention is, is a combination of the first thing, the first lesson and the last lesson to show the fuck up with intention and to honor my pace. Because for me, that hybrid molding, I intentionally put those first and last was because I came in to 2022. My intention was show the fuck up. I did that produce good results. I said, let's add intention so I can be more mindful so I can honor my pace and I can go at a pace in life where I can generate those results and I can love who I am, who I am being through that journey. I'm not stopping my goal seeking, dream creating, fuck yes, inducing life, just doing it more intentionally. 
And if you're listening, you've made it this far. My encouragement to you is, is this one. Don't just let this be something that you listen to and move on to the next podcast. Don't just keep consuming and doing more courses or taking, you know, watching more Netflix or whatever it is. It's like, it's, don't bounce from one high to the next. Fully absorb this conversation. Sit with it. Breathe with it. Pick your three to five biggest lessons. Like, oh, out of all these 23 lessons, like, these are my top three to five. Like, these are the ones that really resonate with me. If you want to add some more, you know, do your thing, right? Whatever your focus is. But once you pick your three to five, pick your number one. Oh, I really want to focus on not bouncing from one high to the next. Oh, I, I really need to honor my pace. Pick one, right? Distraction breaks focus, which breaks flow. Flow comes from a single point of focus. We can pick one thing and center it, focalize it. We're more, far more likely to remember it, to embody it, to integrate it. Pick one thing, write it down, and put it somewhere where you have to look at it often. Put it on the, on the wallpaper of your phone, make a little graphic on Canva or put it in your car, share it with somebody, tell your friend, your neighbor, your dog, your partner, tell somebody about your commitment for this year. And if you're feeling really bold, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. It would, it would truly mean the world to me if you DM me or tweeted me or emailed me, email Wolf at Wolf Castillo or DM'd me follow the wolf, the E and the a three, which one you chose? Because as I said from the beginning, this was like, this is the thing that I put the most love and attention to all year. And I truly believe that these lessons can be powerful. If you choose the ones that are useful, discard the ones that are not and, and add it to be uniquely your own. Let's have this year and the subsequent years be ones where we do it with more intention, where we honor our pace and we show the fuck up and the ways that we want to be for ourselves, for our finances, for our relationships, for our spirituality, for our jobs, our career, our purpose, for anything that matters to us. Let's show the fuck up with intention, spread more love, spread more light. And to be cliche, to be the change that we want to see in the world. Thank you so much for listening. I love you so much. And I can't wait to see you in the next one. Until then, big ol' love. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode supported and inspired your journey to greater healing and feeling fully alive. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share this with someone you love. And in case you forgot, you are dope, you are loved, and you are enough. Thank you for existing. Peace.